I'm Glenn Kubish. This is The Three Things Podcast. Each week I try to notice three things I notice that made me happy or grateful so that not all of the noticing is done for me. This week, number one, bubbles. It's a fun word to say, bubbles. Bubbles stop me as they go by. Trains, too. I will stop to watch a freight train pass in any season. Geese overhead this time of year, they will stop my feet and carry my attention away. And quiet children firing bubbles at me on a cold spring day, they stop me and take me back and a bit of back. The two children, a sister and her older brother, I guessed, stood parka hoods over their heads next to each other on their family's front lawn on 89th Avenue last week. At his side, the boy held a plastic toy bubble gun, a delightful version of a Gatling gun. As I walked by, he cranked the handle a couple of turns, looked at the barrel when nothing emerged, shook the weapon to agitate the dish soap in the chamber, earnestly fired again, and this time watched bubbles spit out of the barrel and float away, fragile in the wind. I was close enough and at the right angle to see some of the bubbles pop with splashes of iridescence. One bubble drifted right at me. When I was a boy, spring was a season for schoolyard games of marbles. We carried them in purple Crown Royal whiskey bags hemmed with gold, stitching. Peewees, creamies, cat's eyes, steelies, boulders, crystals, and jumbos. A solar system of glass marbles that came in different sizes, colors, and values. Two boulders to a crystal, two crystals or four boulders to a jumbo. The steelies were worth what you were willing to put down against them. We were early relativists. Unless you had stamped the pot funsies, the game and the pot went to the player who flicked in the final marble. That was playing for keepsies. The brother and sister watching me watch the crystal bubble fly over my head had no access to the swirl of memories. They couldn't dream that while I was walking past them then, I was also applying back then the tip of my right thumbnail into the first joint on the inside of my index finger to form a launcher, crouching down perpendicular to my line, looking at the pot, looking back down at my fingers, then back at the pot, then back at the marble, and then putting a crystal marble in motion along the packed dry face of a North End schoolyard. 50 orbits of the Earth around the sun ago. Number two, puddles. Paddling across the 142nd Street Bridge above the McKinnon Ravine on a sunny day with the past somehow just ahead is an exercise in prepositions. Prepositions are words well known to bicycle riders. They're the little words that do the big work of indicating direction, location, place, and time, the kinds of things that consume us. If you're pedaling single track over the logs and among the spruce trees by the Terwilliger footbridge, you are in the dead of prepositions. Same goes for cycling down the Oliver Bond bike lane toward downtown Edmonton to buy pencils at the Stylus Stationery Store. It was on the Ravine Bridge last week that prepositions, those workaday words typically content to do their job quietly, leaving the acclaim for the shiny adjectives and strong verbs, made their presence felt. One particular preposition, in fact, the mysterious word into. That splat is the actual sound from a dark morning a couple of years ago when I was pedaling north across the bridge in a rainstorm. Picture this, I'd reached the right turn onto Ravine Drive just as a northbound automobile tire hit a pothole overflowing with stormwater, most of which I wore, some of which I swallowed. I have the audio and video because, never knowing what will happen out there, I record my rides with a GoPro on the handlebars. Playing a ride back lets me re-see and re-hear things. Back to last week, I was approaching the end of the bridge where the water incident had happened. This time, the memory of being soaked by the passing automobile was more vivid. I didn't recall it as much as pedal right into it. For an instant, the wall between past and present was very liquid. I was here, and I was there, and then I was back here. It's hard to say where we would be without prepositions. It's hard enough to say where we ever are with them. 
Number three, cubby holes. Are cubby holes just an Edmonton thing? Cubby holes are the square spaces cut into chain link fences around some Edmonton schoolyards. We had one at St. Francis School in the North End back in the old days. I noticed the cubby hole in the Oliver Schoolyard fence when I pedal by on 103rd Avenue these days. On Reddit, there's a what is this thing thread devoted to the mystery of the Edmonton cubby hole. Some Redditors are pretty sure the hole is meant to serve as an escape route for wildlife caught in a schoolyard or for firefighters to haul hoses and other equipment through. My theory is that cubby holes are designed to allow elementary school students out, but slowly, consciously, and mechanically out, so they don't run into automobile traffic. The truth about cubby holes lies somewhere else, though. A cubby hole is a gate. It's a passageway. It's a portal through which there becomes here. It's an edge, a fringe, a hem, a margin. It introduced elementary school students who climbed through it, some carrying their Macmillan spellers, some weighed down with whiskey bags of marbles, to the thrill of moving across, moving through a border. I went to fly a kite one evening last week in the field behind James Gibbons School near our house. Walking back home, I saw a cubby hole in the fence on 152nd Street. I bent my six foot three inch frame through the aperture. Cubby holes were my first real world lesson in the reality of prepositions. Thanks for being out there, friends. See you next time.